listening to Love the Links Golf Radio with your hosts, Brenton Elliott and Bob Baldessari. Love of the Links Golf Radio. You're, you're still kind of delayed to me. Yeah, the delay's going to be there. I've always had that. Okay. So we're trying something new tonight. Okay. And apparently we've had some technical difficulties at the beginning. Uh, but we're using a new platform uh, as opposed to using Zoom like we normally do. We're using a platform called Crowdcast. Uh, and a lot, lot of benefits to this, but being our first go with it, we were bound to have some things happen, and we had a lot of awful feedback, but seems like everything's figured out now. So, let me introduce, well, before we introduce, I just have to say hello to our co-host, Mr. Bob Aldessari. Bob, how are you, sir? I feel like I'm took a brand new set of clubs out and I had all the best intentions of just, you know, shoot 68, but I needed a few holes to get used to them. Well, you just showed us the golf clubs. Other than that, I'm doing wicked good, especially wicked good. I did. Yeah. I've got some old clubs here. We can show, do show and tell later. Yeah. Uh, But we don't want to delay our wicked special guest this evening. Bob, why don't, why don't you do the honors of introducing James? Ah, uh, yes, uh, James Hong, the Hunger. I uh, met James a few years ago when I did one of my player development workshops up in New York at Knollwood Country Club, and he was sitting over to my left. And I did these workshops across the country, and probably on maybe a few fingers, I can remember a few people that really were so engaged and uh, really got it as far as uh, what we talk about in the workshops and how do you build your business and it's not a program, it's not a cookie cutter. And how do you engage? How do you inspire people? How do you retain people into the game? Um, so I was struck by James and very thoughtful. Uh, he's literally is a thought leader uh, in our PGA. Uh, so very, very uh, privileged to have him this evening. He gets uh, a lot of calls to do a lot of things and he's a busy guy, not only with golf, but his extracurricular activities. And we might be able to get a photo of one of those this evening. <laughs> Uh, but uh, Honger, it's great to have you with us. How's it going, guys? Thank you for having me here. We're excited, and uh, we've got a lot to ask you, uh, especially as you really have done some um, amazing things. Oh, and, and then, you know, James was at our uh, Youth and Family Summits, as you were, Brendan, and uh, so he's, he has a lot on the youth spectrum, uh, like you do, about how do you get kids into the game? How do you foster them and shepherd them? to get whatever level they want to get to. And I thought it was a perfect timing to have James on this evening because of the what's going on in society with the COVID-19 coronavirus. And we have so many kids that were on the cusp of spring camps and, and the, the idea of North Spring and I want to get involved in the golf. Uh, certainly the adults do that, but the kids are really excited to get in there and all the spring breaks. So I know James had a jam-packed schedule, but um, how you doing up there? You're outside of uh, New York City on Long Island. I'll tell where things with you. Uh, fingers crossed so far so good. We were actually closed a little while ago. We had actually been closed all winter, except for let's say the grill room, banquet hall, that kind of stuff. And I was giving indoor lessons. We were supposed to open uh, March 21st. And we got notice about a week before that that we were going to be closed at least until today. So I've already been home. This is actually day 15 of me being self-quarantined, other than just kind of like going outside, walking around, maybe going to the store a couple of times to grab some quick stuff and then get back home. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of surreal out there in that uh, some areas, it just, it looks like it's 1978. (laughs) Other areas, I'm sure it, it looks bleaker. So it's just, I guess it's just a matter of where you are. 
It's kind of cool to be on the highway and not see any traffic, I'll tell you. That's got to be a, one little benefit. I, I know I've seen you post some things on Facebook about what you're doing with Zoom and having all the kids come together. Yeah. To do some of your uh, coaching. Can you talk about that? Yeah, what, it, what I started doing was, and uh, we talked about this before, it's we're kind of like in a state where we're throwing things up against the wall and see what sticks. And I didn't want to lose contact with my students, particularly the juniors. And in this case, the, the kids that had been preparing themselves for the upcoming season. So you had the older kids that were getting ready for their high school season. You had some of the, also some of the older kids, the more serious ones that were prepping for things you know, tournaments like Hurricane, AJGA, what, what have you, Med PGA, and you have the younger kids who are prepping for U.S. Kids Golf and also some other local ter- tournaments, and I'm sure this just kind of hit them really hard, and I, I wanted to just have them motivated, just keeping in touch with them, keep them working on stuff, because I'm sure they're, they're sitting at home and just going crazy. There's only so many video games you can play and so many things that you can do, TV shows to see. Plus, they have, of course, their schoolwork still continuing online. So just, just wanted to make sure that they don't lose sight of the fact that we're, we're a part of their lives, too. James, I was going to ask, are these things things that you've done in the past, or is it because of the situation that you're starting to introduce these online things? It's, it's a little bit of both. I mean, I tried a couple of times with... With um, some people, some individual stuff, uh, just throwing it out there and saying, hey, you know what, why don't you send me some of your swings and I'll, I'll give you some feedback on it and just getting a couple of those online type students. But in terms of having a group together, this was the first time where I would be actually doing like a Zoom meeting. And so that was that was the new part is how do I coordinate that? And uh, what what actually is the syllabus for what we're going to be doing. And then it's like, you think, oh, okay, we're going to do some putting, we're going to do some chipping, we're going to do this. And then you realize, oh, wait a minute, everyone's going to be in their living room. Can't just do this and do that. So now you've got to start being a little bit creative with what is it you're going to do? Okay, so use a pillow, uh, use a towel, use this, use that. And so one of the things that I learned real fast is I have to prepare them for what we're going to be doing ahead of time. So I would tell them, you're going to need this. You're going to need quarters. You're going to need a couple of coins. You're going to need three T's. You're going to need rubber bands, etc., so that it wouldn't be like we would be right in the middle of the Zoom meeting. And I would say, okay, we're going to work on this. Now they're running around the house looking for the supplies that they need. And then, then they come back like, oh, I can't do it because I don't have it. So a lot of preparation beforehand. So yeah, there, there's a lot of things. Like I said, we're throwing things up against the wall and seeing how they stick. And then as soon as we do one session, it's over. I got to sit down and go like, well, what went well? What what ideas do I have? Because sometimes you're in the middle of it, like, oh, maybe next time we're going to try this. And you come up with some ideas. So you got to make sure that you're writing that all down while it's still fresh. Nice. You know, it's uh, interesting that, you know, the youth, the dig- digital natives, uh, so used to technology to staying connected and uh, using that for golf. But above and beyond and i was going to ask this to brennan too because you're doing a lot of this i see um using the technology so kids stay friends with kids and they stay socializing and i've seen some funny memes out there that before the before before the quarantines kids on the phone after the quarantine now people are outside they're, they're embracing oh yeah that's right oh that's that's outside so uh just want to get both of your perspectives on that with kids that used to be tied up so much to this and then not what you're doing, trying to get them connected emotionally. Well, not not to downplay the magnitude of the situation, but I had a, uh, a discussion with someone this morning through a Zoom call um, that this is kind of like a reboot for a lot of people. Um, and I, I feel like this has always been there. The, the, these tools have always been there. Uh, but going forward, once... Once things, you know, get back to normal, we're going to have this whole new set of tools in our toolbox that, you know, students and coaches alike are going to be able to use uh, to, you know, enhance what they offer uh, 
beyond the in-person, you know, time that the students spend with their coaches. And I've done a lot of, I'm right now, I just told James when we were in the green, green room that I was going through uh, the PGA's uh, uh, coach coaching program, the ADM model. And uh, it, it's interesting, but I've done, I've done that. I've been doing some other online courses through things like Skillshare. Uh, and again, I think if we utilize this time correctly, I think we're going to all, all be better for it with our businesses. Yeah, I think what's interesting is, is when I look outside the window is I see more people walking around. There's, there's parks and playgrounds in my neighborhood and I see more people out with their families, walking dogs or by themselves. And what's interesting is I'm noticing people are not looking at their phones anymore. It's, it's, it's almost like now going outside and getting some exercise or just a walk-in, it's, it's their time to get away from all of the stuff because they're cooped in their house all day. So I thought, I thought that was kind of like a little interesting reversal there. Did you have to see the, the one video I saw posted? The guy was, uh, he was a left-handed golfer who was chipping toilet paper rolls. I did. I saw this. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's pretty, I mean, <coughs> I know my mother wasn't too happy, but I the golf balls over the house uh, in my yard in Massachusetts. So, I mean, do you guys see anything out there? What do you use in the yard? Or, I mean, there's only so much you can do inside the house. I know different geographic areas are different, but. Um, you see anything about literally going to your front yard to do some golf activity? Yeah, I, I actually cut a hole in the backyard. I, I, I got one, I have one of those tools and I just went to the backyard and just went, just put it in a cup from the golf course and a mini flag. So I've got something to do. I've got a net and one of the mats I took from the teaching area at the golf course. So I've got something to hit into. And for, for me right now, it's it's hard to, like I, I wanted to do stuff like do live stuff or post some videos of being able to practice outdoors. But the weather here has been very, very rainy. So even, even the few days that we've had that are already 65 degrees, uh, all of them except for one have been rainy as well. So everything that I've been trying to do is, is kind of like put on hold until the weather is at least decent outside. Yeah, and in the, in the same in the same vein, I've been building out my coaching area. I bought a net, uh, nice net from the net return, and I got uh, a putting green from Birdie Ball, and um, just getting some tools to set up something on the on the pool deck to just start recording content and putting stuff out there and doing some some Zoom group clinics right. like James was talking about, doing some private lesson stuff, and um, you got you got to. I mean, you got to figure stuff out to and get creative with things. Do you think this is a good opportunity? This, obviously, there's also only so much you can do technically wise inside a house on video with the full swing, but maybe a good opportunity to talk to the kids and or anybody about attitude, mental outlook, mindset, and also course management thoughts. Yeah, I think um, I was actually, I was talking to John Dunnigan about this with the course management stuff is that how do you get the kids to work on that when they're, they're in their backyard or their living room and being able to transfer that because the hard thing obviously is just not actually being able to go to the golf course and do it. So, well, the ones that have a, a simulator at their home or some form of the simulator, they have the advantage in that and that they can just turn that on and do some stuff. <coughs> But being able to just kind of have the, the mindset to be able to look into a net and say, well, I'm going to pretend this is the seventh hole at this course, and I'm going to work on this, and I'm going to work on that. Or it might just be learning how to shot shape, learning how to control the club face better. Or is it a case of you're sitting there, and it's in a way, it is kind of like being at the driving range and pretending to play a hole while you're on the driving range. And instead, now you're just looking in the net and going, okay, this is a 273-yard par four, and I'm going to hit my driver. Oh, that felt like I hooked it, so I'm going to hit a little punch shout out from the trees. It's, it's just being more creative with that. So I think what we're probably going to be discovering is, is that 
we're spending a lot more time on the mental side of it, keeping keeping the juniors especially more involved and not not kind of losing track of that because they could very easily just go. Uh, they just start hitting balls like a Pez dispenser. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, James, I wanted to ask you, I'm, I'm looking at the bio you sent over here, and you've done quite a few certifications, um, and, and the two that I wanted to pull out and get your thoughts on and how much you utilize some of the ones is, is your TPI, you've done level one and level two, which the level two is uh, a lot of the junior uh, fundamentals of the of the TPI program. And I also wanted to get your, your take on aim point because, as I said in the green room to you, that's always seemed really interesting to me. Um, how much do you utilize that? Is it something you can apply to adults and juniors alike? Yeah, definitely um, with the aim point stuff, pretty much that that is a central part of, of, I'd say, all of my putting lessons, if not all of them, almost all of them. And... Uh, it's usually a case of I ask I'm, I'm either watching the player or I'm asking them outright if they can read the green well how they read the green. So if there's someone that is really struggling with it, then I'll I'll bring up aim point. We'll start talking about aim point and I'll teach it to them. Some people actually come straight out and just say I, I want an aim point lesson or they come to an aim point clinic. With the juniors, uh, what they do is because they're part of like a monthly program. So I will incorporate the aim point as part of their instruction. And so it might be like, all right, everyone, just remember this Tuesday, the second Tuesday in May is our aim point practice day. So they'll, they'll all come and then we'll work on aim point. So in terms of the juniors, they're all learning it and, and getting a good handle on it. But yeah, definitely in terms of putting, in particular green reading and understanding that, it's definitely a central part of, of what I teach. What about in terms of TPI? Oh, TPI, that's right. Yeah, TPI is great. If, if there was something that I would recommend, definitely TPI. Uh, I think the thing that's really good about that is, is that uh, when you go to level one, so it goes across the board. It's, it's a, it, it has medical fitness as well as golf inst instructor, three different programs. And it's the foundation for everything else that they, 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 all of the other programs that they have. So that's a good education in itself, the screenings and everything. And the thing that you have to be careful of, like everything else, is that it's not the be all end all. Uh, it is just your stepping stone for other opportunities that you can pursue on your own, whether with TPI or other programs that you're studying. But I think what it does do is, is it gives you a good solid fundamental foundation for your instruction programs. And with the junior level two that I went to, it, it gave me a lot of ideas in terms of what to do, not just for the advanced juniors, but also for introduction, uh, not just having it be dumping out a basket of them going, all right, let's hit them all. It's kind of giving them stuff on how to warm up better, some, some games to play, some skills challenges. So I, I would really highly recommend that one. If uh, somebody out there or PGA Pro hasn't been able to get to a TPI, what are some of the things that they can or should be looking at in the health and wellness area, fitness? I think other than TPI, there's there's a couple of them. I know Nike had a really good one. Nike had Nike 360 with I think it's Gray Cook, um, who was the who was the focus of one. That's a pretty good one. There's a couple others that you can go. The people who would actually know that are the fitness people. So what I would do is actually contact someone that you know that's in the fitness profession and ask them, especially if they're very uh, hooked into training golf, <coughs> is what's a good program for you to look at. But I think what you also have to be careful of is, is that um, remember that your job is that you're the golf teacher. You're not the trainer. That's their field. So. If you're looking for something specifically in terms of high-level fitness training, it's you don't want to undertake that yourself. You want to have someone as part of your team that you can basically tell your student, this is the person that I would refer you to, or vice versa, refer people to for golf instruction. James, in, in terms of uh, 
gamification. That's something that that's become a, a bigger topic in and especially as I'm going through some of this ADM stuff with PGA.coach, um, understanding how kids develop from younger ages and on through to teenage, it, golf has to always try to stay fun, regardless of what level a kid's going to be at. If they're highly competitive, obviously, if, they, if they're spending a lot of time on the range and a lot of time on the practice green, a lot of time on the golf course, they have to enjoy what they're doing. And Bob and I have talked this, about this a lot in previous podcasts. So what are some recommendations you have for other coaches or or for any juniors that might be tuning in to the replay of this um, in terms of how you can keep things fun? Yeah, I think what, what you want to do, and this is something that, that um, I've been espousing of late, is that when you when we say make it fun we also want to make it challenging because it, when we're telling the kids or we're showing the kids how much fun it could be part of that fun is the challenge that it's providing us it's it's kind of like taking on a crossword puzzle learning how to solve the puzzle and so what happens is, is if we just think about it as only fun 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 when the game starts to get challenging when they actually are interested in trying chip onto the green and and one or two putt and not get a seven from 10 feet away is that it's challenging. It's how do we improve their skills from that point? And so learn to accept that challenge and that's part of the fun. So the gamification, as you were saying, I think that what you're looking at for coaches is what exactly is the skill that you're trying to teach your, your player? What is it you're trying to work on and what kind of game can you create that basically emphasizes that skill? So uh, one of the things that we do, which is you were just asking about TPI earlier, is, is with our camps, our summer camps, for instance, it's the majority of our summer camps are beginners or maybe they just kind of dabble in golf a little bit. They play with their grandpa or something like that once in a while. So is we might be teaching something like speed, putting speed. So that's something that we're spending maybe 10, 15 minutes on. And then we play a game or we have a challenge game which focuses specifically on speed so that whatever it is they were learning, they're now trying to do it in a game-like format. And then what we're doing afterwards is saying, okay, what is it you just learned? Uh, can you summarize it? And sometimes what we do is, is we actually put them in groups and say, can you teach each other what it is we were just doing? So we're always reinforcing that, not just instruction, but also through the games, through the skills challenges, so that, and, and the thing that I know that's really cool about it is the next day when they show up again in the summer camps, they're going like, hey, you know that game, or their parents are saying, yeah, what's that putting game that you played yesterday? My kid was really talking about it on the car ride home, or they're showing up and going like, hey, can we play that game again? Can we do that thing that we were doing yesterday? So that's that's when you know that you're doing a good job is when they come back, they want to keep playing it. Hey, James, did you, uh, you get the latest stats? Um, is this still true? Uh, 98.734 putts left short don't go in. <laughs> I think that changed a little bit. Um, that been updated. It might have been updated because I don't think that that stat took into consideration hurricane force winds. Mm. Ah, my bad. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly wind with you. Just wanted to double check that. <laughs> yeah, 10 second rule and all. I, I, I love that one. I, I, I've actually used that in many times I've been out there on the lesson team. People thought it was serious. I'm like, wow, they track those things. And I go, yeah, they track everything. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I've got a, uh, one thing I want to throw to both of you guys. <coughs> and I've, uh, I've talked to top 100 instructors that, you know, big names out there over the years. And um, I had an interesting youth in golf. Obviously my dad's a PGA member. And um, so I, I have to discount myself, but what I see a lot, you know, and in my role at PGA America with the youth golf and at my golf clubs over the years with uh, all the big tournaments and the youth things. Uh, so I would say to top instructors, um, I see a lot of kids trying to swing to play the game instead of play the game. And you sort of get where I'm going with that. And, um, you know, I would see top 
Tom, you three, you were golfers in general, working on the position by position, like a jigsaw puzzle, kind of um, working on best positions to hit a golf shot versus play the game. And I think some of the play of the game has been, I think lost my interpretation, my thoughts from growing up in the game, um, hitting low shots, high shots. Um, I was showing you guys earlier, this is my R90 Wilson back in the day. I'll, we used to put these in a, a bowl of Coke to get the rust off. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> right? So, um, but it was one sand wedge and you had to learn every shot. No lob wedges and all that. I don't want to sound like the, the old guy now, but uh, just want to get your feel on what you see out there and the um, imagination that, that's good for kids and really anybody to be able to see a shot and again, at different caliber level as, as you get better at the game, uh, hit different shots, play the game and not get caught up so much in the robotic perfect swing. James, you want, to take, you want to take that first? Um, yeah, you know, what I noticed about the kids these days is that um, they're afraid to make a mistake. Yes. For some reason. And I always find it interesting or, or if someone says, can you teach me how to, how to do this? And I show it to them or I, we talk about it and then... It's like they feel like they should be hitting it perfect on that very first swing. And if they don't set, then they suddenly go shell. Or just just for some strange reason, there's that fear of failure, the fear of hitting bad shots. And, and what I keep telling everyone is that that's how you find out how to do it. And, and it's weird in that golf, for some reason, makes us feel really badly about ourselves. It's, I, I <laughs> was talking about this months ago to a bunch of uh, the juniors is that if we were in the gym shooting baskets and we were shooting nothing with air balls, we wouldn't be sitting talking, man, I really suck at this. Right. And then walk out of the gym, we'd actually be getting mad that we're hitting why, why am I airballing this? We'd go run after the ball, we'd keep shooting, we'd keep shooting, we'd keep shooting. And and we would just keep going, keep going, keep going, and just figure it out, figure it out, figure it out. We it would never enter our minds that, man, I really suck. But we we blade one wedge, and oh man, I'm real I'm, I'm really bad at golf. I, and and it just, there's yeah. something about it that just makes us think black and white. We're either good or we're terrible. And and it's something that I talk about all the time. And it, and and it's like, what, what are you afraid of? The person you should be afraid. The thing you should be afraid of is me. <laughs> I'm me mad. And the only reason why I'm gonna get mad is because you're scared of something that you shouldn't be scared of. The only thing you should be scared of is me. <laughs> and, you you. <laughs> and it's weird because sometimes they hit a sh shot. They were, let's say they're trying to hit a flop shot and they hit six inches behind the ball and you get them. And I'm sitting there going, no, that was really good. They're looking at me like, I'm like, what do you mean that was good? I was like, no, what, what are we trying to do? We're trying to do this. We're trying to do that. We're trying to do uh, that. So you did it great. You you just were six inches behind the ball. If you can get that six inches forward, right, you're going to be sitting there going like, whoa, look at how good I did. And it's like, Tell figure out what six inches is. Yeah. Don't, it's not you're bad. It's just figure out what those six inches are. So it's it's constantly doing that that, that, that is – like you were saying, the, the, the game part of it, it's it's like they don't want to figure it out, but they would in any other sport. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. It's a it's a topic with all my private lesson students, it's a constant topic. And what what I talk about in reference to this is obviously Bob prefaced this with this question is there's two different things. There's learning the skills, learning the movements on the range. And then how do you transfer that over to the golf course, but in terms of ultimately putting a score on a scorecard and the least amount of shots. And I think kids aren't as creative as we had to be. I think technology kind of plays a little bit into that. And when I say technology, I'm talking more of the clubs because the clubs have been manufactured more and more to correct certain things. So I don't think kids 
you know, like you and I did when we were, like, all you guys when we were younger, we used to, I remember throwing golf balls down in rough that was knee high with buddies, and we'd play, you know, played nine holes around the practice screen and the toughest shots that we could, could come up with, or we'd step and embed their golf ball in the bunker. And like James said, you just, you just try to figure it out. You just try to get creative. And I think what it boils down to with kids, at least, you know, is, is I've been doing this for, for a while is the expectations that kids have. And this is on a couple different levels. One, where they expect to be in the process and first, that's if they buy into this idea of it being a process. Um, they always want to go from zero to 100 in a day or two. And it just, it just doesn't work that way. And then the other thing from the next day, um, you know, their expectations is when they are on the golf course, they, can, they may be visualizing and playing that round in their mind on their way to the golf course. But what they're doing from an expectation level in their mind doesn't match up with where they are currently with their skill set. So they're, you know, they're playing the front nine in their head and they're par birdie, par par, all of we'll throw a bogey in there. And it's just not realistic to where they're at currently. So I, I do stuff on the golf course and I'm sure James has done this a thousand times where you put them in those situations. I, I, I have them hit two balls off the tee. They play, you know, I have a brother and sister that do lessons with me. The sister's 17, the brother's 13. And I have them both tee off. They both um, say the brother hits a really, stripes one down the middle, sister gets to play his tee ball. If the if the sister hits one, pushes it right into the trees, he has to play it. And I'll just kind of determine as we go off each hole who has to play which next shot. So they're not focusing on the score, the writing on the scorecard, they're focusing on that idea of one shot at a time. Yeah, that's a good point, Brendan. Um, you know, I think the more games you can play it on the golf course, that's a mm-hmm. good thing. Yep. Uh, when I was a kid, my dad had me like a bunch of different things. I played two balls. I always had to take the worst shot. Yep. Every time, no matter what, you know, so you might hit it six inches and that other one's in the bunker, two shots out of the bunker. And if you can shoot par doing that, that's pretty good. He used to have me play from the ladies' tee with all my clubs. And yeah, you're going to make birdies, but you get comfortable being under par. Then I could have had to play from the ladies' tee uh, or, or the sort of the forward men's tee with no woods at all, all irons. So it was always something that, you know, you can, you don't want to get into the same old, same old thing and you start to get into some bad habits where you just don't focus. So um, I don't know if you guys use a lot of those games like on the course with <coughs> Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. It's I'm pretty, scared of you again. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we would, I would, I would cut things up on where every hole had a specific task. So for instance, I they go off the first hole and I would say, that's your warm up. You can do whatever you want on the first hole. Then the second hole, uh, I would say that every shot has to be a knockdown shot. You can't, you can't hit a ball, can't be up in the air. If, if the ball goes up in the air, it's a two shot penalty. Everything's got to be low. The third hole is uh, third hole at our course is a par three. So I would turn to everyone's like, what what club are you going to use? I'm going to use a seven. And then what I would tell them is the rule is whatever club you're going to choose, you got to take three clubs longer. You said seven, you're playing with a four. Love it, love it. Yeah, stuff like that. And then I would do it. I would flip flop it. So another par three, I would go around and say, what club are you going to hit? They think that they got it. Like, oh, I'm going to hit it. You know, I'm going to hit. I'm going to hit a five. And I say, all right, well, now you're going to hit three clubs shorter. So now they're hitting an eight. So just trying to do stuff like that. Or I might say the the shortest club you can use on this hole is a six iron. Mm -hmm. So here they are chipping or hitting a bunker shot or something like that. And they've got to use their six iron. And and there's a speed golf hole. I I say, you got to, let's, you got to finish this hole in five minutes. And you so, but we double it in that. Not only do you have to finish the hole in five minutes, but that also means that you've got to choose which four clubs you're going to run with. And so they're like, oh, I'm going to take this. So they grab their four, and then they go and they play the hole. And it's funny in that when they do that, they actually do really well. Yeah, that seems yeah. to be the hole where everyone goes, oh, oh. It's, it's like you were saying, Brendan, is that 
some of them, they don't pay attention to the score because they're so busy about trying to finish the hole in under five minutes. And then they, they're like, <laughs> and they're walking to the next tee and they're going like, they look back and they're like, oh, wait, I, I parred that hole. Or, wow, I only got a on that hole. I, I thought I did way worse or something like that. And it's, 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 so yeah, just taking their mind off the score. But yeah, we do that on every hole. I've even done the, um, the Scott Foss decade thing where I take all the flags out of the holes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I don't know where the holes are. Yeah. Um, that's been fun because they start to realize, yeah, you know what, when I don't pay attention where the flag is, sometimes I'm actually, I'm on the green. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. We, we do, we do a lot of stuff like that. Yeah. And sometimes I, 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 I sometimes I tell students, you know, kids or, or adults that, if you're on a long par five, for example, and you've still got 300 plus in on your second shot and you just kind of pull out a long iron or a mid iron and you're not playing for a target per se, like hitting it on the green, you've got this wide fair where you're just trying to position yourself. And a lot of times when you're doing that, you're not really as focused on a specific thing. So you're free swinging. And it's the same type of idea is, is you're lowering the expectations, you're free swinging and a lot of times you hit a good, probably the best shot you, you've hit for the day in those situations. So it's it's the same yep. thing as lowering those expectations. Do you ever have the uh, kids that are right-handed try to swing lefty and lefty swing righty just to get them to feel? I, I play golf lefty. I'm a right-handed, but I when I would play more, I could kind of, I'm about a bogey golfer lefty. But I always wanted to do that, so I never lost the feeling of how hard the game, or you know how challenging it is. Uh, but I see some kids; they they like to, you know, all these things we're talking about. I think it it keeps it fresh, it keeps their mind thinking. It's it's a way to learn, you know, the play to learn. I don't do it because yeah, I, I because I can't I can't hit the ball left handed. So if I'm going to ask a kid to do it and they, they turn around and ask me to do it, I'm not even going to step into that. Yeah, I can't do it at the beginning of the season. It's, I got I need a couple of weeks to hit some balls left-handed, then I'll be fine. It's, it's funny because when I see my swing left-handed, I actually technically like it better than my right-handed swing, my normal swing. So it really it gets me mad. It's like why can't I do that <laughs> with, with my with my swing? Why can't I swing like that? And it's it's funny. I I, I actually videotaped myself a few years ago left-handed, flipped the video over, so oh. I looked right and mm-hmm. sent it to mine. And he looked at it and he goes, "Wow, wow, you've been working on your swing. That's awesome." <laughs> and I was like, "You you just made me feel even worse." <laughs> I love it. Hey, so um, what do you gentlemen think, you know, as we get through the virus and it becomes day one of some normalcy in society, uh, how does golf look then as far as you, you can be, you think the golf courses get jam-packed or is, is, there a, is there a quick hockey stick kind of thing? Is it a gradual or, you know, looking ahead to hopefully day one that sooner than later that we can, you know, get through with this craziness? I think um, the public courses will definitely fill up. People are just, just, they're just going to go crazy. They can't, can't wait to get out. Uh, the private courses also will, be, the members, and some of them that have stayed open for their members, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll get their membership coming back out and, and being happy to see everyone again. Uh, but I think what's going to be interesting is where are the economics of it? Yep. How is everyone doing economically? So if you're at a golf course, a public course, for instance, that charges $110 for greens fees, still going to be charged $110. What do you expect your tee sheet to look like with those green fees? Is there going to be a change? There might not be a change. Um, what, or are you going to offer, are you going to suddenly have to realize, yeah, we want our tee sheet to be filled we may have to make some adjustments to what we're charging the golfer. Uh, with the private courses, it's a membership deal. So 
it's it's not going to be as noticeable. There might be some some things that you're going to be working on with the members, but for the most part, no. I mean, I know it, it's it's going to be interesting what the instruction landscape is going to be like because you know, as we talked about, we're we're going to be doing a lot of things digitally, and then our once we're kind of starting to go back to being able to be be face to face with people, it's how are we going to incorporate that digital landscape that we created for ourselves? That's going to be an integral part of our instruction business moving on. So yeah. some of these, some of these people are going to be like, well, why should I get 10 lessons with this guy at this rate when we were doing pretty good with video lesson analysis and stuff like that, especially your, your students that you, where you know their swings. So maybe they just need like a quick, tip or something they send you their swing and like yeah okay that's good <clears throat> so there, there are going to be some change to the structure of i think people's lessons lesson plans going forward yeah it's it's definitely going to be it's definitely going to be uh, a different landscape once once this all kind of clears and, and goes away um kind of kind of to the point of the economics of it what i'm a little bit afraid of is where you know the individual consumer stands from an economic standpoint, if it was a small business owner, where are they going to be? Are they going to have the discretionary spending to be able to go out on the golf course? Are they going to be able to take lessons if that's something that they did before? So, you know, the longer this plays out and now we're looking through, through April, um, and James, for you being up near the epicenter for, for the United States, you know, it could be a little bit longer for, for there. So, I'm concerned, but at the same time, I'm I'm optimistic about maybe this maybe this whole thing for those that get through it, businesses that get through it, golf courses that don't have to unfortunately shut down. Maybe this is a kick in the butt to have people open up their eyes on things like this can happen and situations like this can happen. So how can I better run my business? How what are some different ways? I and I think a lot of people have got creative throughout this. You know, a lot of golf courses keeping their restaurants open, but only for curbside or delivery, you know, things they may have never thought of previously. So, uh, but I'm going to throw this back to you, Bob, because I want to kind of see, because this is kind of your domain recently with, with, uh, with everything you're doing. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think the business of golf, the golf operations, um, clubs are being run it's opening up some eyes. I'm seeing some comments out there. James, you, you put one out recently um, about how, how did the dynamics, how would they look when we could get out of this because we're going to go through something with changes in technology. Now, if it's possible, is it going to be the norm going forward? You don't go in the golf shop to check in. I mean, that's been historically in golf forever, really. So and there are some courses that are a little more advanced out there where Maybe the tablets are up front, but now trying to be social distancing and safe. What if going forward, more clubs adopt that? Has that impact merchandise or visits in the shop? Just it's interesting how uh, there's trends out there. I'm looking at, I'm reading things. I read one this morning on these mega trends and how they, how things have been in the work for a few years, but the what's happening with the virus just will accelerate things. And um, that's that's something I think the golf industry is going to see some trends. I think unfortunately more courses may fold and they may go under because of what's going to happen. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think the power of golf, the, the unbelievable power of the relationships that you build and people crave that at this time, they're, the three of us are watching each other on video and we feel like we're together, I guess, not to speak for you two, but still, if we could tomorrow morning tee it up on the golf course, that, that would, that's what we want. We want the power of being with each other and families together. And I'm down here in Florida. Uh, Brendan's up near Orlando. I'm on the East Coast, Treasure Coast of Florida. And, you know, thank goodness we're, we're in a bit of a bubble. It's not too, too bad in context of what's going on. Many courses up this way are still open. Uh, the course that I'm associated with is at 230 rounds Friday, 240 Saturday, about 230 yesterday. Yep. Um, and I'm out there talking to people and they're driving from some miles away, some of them. Uh, because they, they crave the outside, they crave what golf brings to them, uh, they crave the relationships, friends, family together. Uh, so hopefully 
you know, after 9-11 in our lifetime, that was something that was a, a reality check. I think this is another one in that regard. Yeah, I could, I could see some things being different in the future stuff. I mean, I see it already. I was thinking about this the other day where you're in the grocery store and now you have self-checkout lines. So you're just going up and ringing yourself out. And I could see golf courses now, like you said, having the tablet out front. Yep. And now you're checking yourself in whatever group you have. Uh, your credit card's already on file. So all you're doing is, is just, yep, I'm here with my threesome. Your card's already getting charged. You get the ticket. You walk right over. Maybe there's a person right there at the, at the first tier where the carts are. You show them that, and they just tell you which cart you're going to, and then you can go right out. So it's you, you might be eliminating some of the resources that you have there, but what you're, what you're hoping for is, is that those resources are allocated somewhere else, Right. especially because right. we're in a service industry. So maybe it's not in the pro shop so much anymore, but it's it's having more people in the grill room or, or in the cart with the, uh, the cart services and everything. So... Yeah, it's, it'd be interesting to see what's happening to look up, look forward a year from now and see what are some of the changes in the landscape. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree 100% with what you say, said, James. I think that's from an operational standpoint, that's where the big changes are going to be. And, right. and that those first touches, as soon as they jump out of their car, uh, more emphasis on if it's the type of club that get the bags from the car or at a bag drop or whatever, you, you enhance those first touches and you skip over that pro shop uh, experience, which is, in all honesty, lacks at a lot of golf courses. Um, so maybe that's a good thing from an operational standpoint. Um, but it's definitely, this is going to change how every business does things going forward. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out over time. Right. I had, I had this conversation with another person in the golf industry this week, and I said, you know, it's interesting when you think of the golf ecosystem, you think of the golf technology advances, a lot of them in equipment. I remember, I mean, three of us remember using persimmon woods. Hey, kids out there, that's a wood wood. I mean, you know, we've seen advances in the, the putter, the, the irons, the, the bag, clothing. I mean, you name it. We've seen advances on agronomy with our brothers and sisters, superintendents, and amazing technology and technological advances on the agronomy turf grass side. But interestingly enough, just the golf operations, some, but that's probably an area that going through this, there might be a, a forced uh, eye-opening things. Uh, uh, just, you know, I, heck, I remember when Ashworth came out and members at the club I was at said, well, that'll never sell. You got to have a hard caller. <laughs> Um, you know, so I don't know, you know, golf is a little bit slow to change. Sometimes, uh, great traditions. We got the etiquette. We have a lot of good things, but it's, uh, as an industry slow to embrace some change at times. Yeah. So, so as we wrap up, James, uh, one of the things we do with, with guests is we come to the end of a, of a podcast is let you kind of promote whatever it is that you're doing, uh, website and stuff. I did before you jump into that. I wanted to go through some of the, some of your accolades. So, uh, best in state by Golf Digest for New York State. That was 2017, 18, and 1920. Uh, Golf Range Association Master uh, Growth of the Game Teaching Professional in 2019, and you've been a top 50 with them for uh, from 14 to 18. Uh, U.S. Kids Top 50 Master right. Teacher in 2012. I'm I'm looking at this, and this is kind of the same years that some of those accolades I I had. So we've been in the same class for a while, uh, as as we've moved through some of these, uh, some of these uh, rec or you know getting recognized for what we do. Um, what it's, it's, you know, it's funny. I remember years ago, um, it might have been the U.S. Kids Golf one. I'm not sure. It's your name went up there, and I remember going like, oh. That's Brendan. Because <laughs> I was like, well, I won't know who you were. <laughs> it's it's the Wizard of Oz. Hey, uh, James. <laughs> yeah, James, but by the, by the way, you also have to sing a song on these at the end of the podcast. So, Yes, that's true. <laughs> I saw the yeah, drum set. Drum solo on yeah. the way out. 
So James, go go ahead and promote promote website, uh, your golf club website where you teach. Floor is yours. Well, where I teach is Harbor Links Golf Course in Port Washington, New York. It's in Long Island. It's uh, dead center between Manhattan and Bethpage Black. So we're right in the middle of that. So we're about 20, 30 minutes out from Manhattan, Long Island Railroad. So we're right there. We're a public golf course, so come on out. Uh, we do get cr uh, quite crowded, quite busy. So it's, it's definitely, but it's definitely one of the best public golf courses on Long Island. Uh, we have a huge junior program, and hopefully that will be back on track soon. We have spring programs, summer programs, huge summer camps, fall programs. So we're, we're pretty packed there. Uh, good instruction staff there. And we have a, a really nice grill room there, good food there, everything. So we've got a nice place. And, yep, we're always available for golf instruction, for lessons. We love teaching juniors. So, you know, give us a call when we're back out there <laughs> and, and if you ever need help with legos you're a minute off. <laughs> yeah uh, yeah i got a, i got a love for star wars for lego star wars <laughs> and all right here we go there it is there we go. <laughs> i love it that big boy wow <laughs> and yes there's more in the ground over there <laughs> I, I always, you know, we go to the Lego store when we're, at, when we're at Disney Springs, and I only thought I saw something to that perfection at a Lego store. So bravo to you. That was, that's <laughs> fantastic. All right, so. Yeah, but. but uh, any last thoughts, Bobby, before we, uh, before we sign off? No, just everybody stay, stay safe, stay healthy. If you can get to a golf course near you and they're following all the strict protocols, uh, get out, relax, enjoy, and try to de-stress. And thank you, Hunger, for joining us. Always great to have you, my friend. Yes, thank you, uh, Thank you for asking me. This was a pleasure and an honor. So, folks, you can check out Love of the Links on uh, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. We'll have the posting of this. Once I edit out the bullcrap we had to deal with at the beginning, uh, we'll, we'll get this out. And we'll get the audio, which I'm recording right now on my phone. We'll get that out onto all the places you listen to podcasts. Thanks to James Hong for, for spending some time with us. And Bobby, we'll see you soon, my friend. You got it. Looking forward to it. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening to Love of the Links Golf Radio. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Our website is littlelinksers.com backslash love. You can email us at loveofthelinks at gmail.com.